Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Happy Tuesday, everyone. As you can see, I release this episode a day later than normal, and you'll soon find out why I did that. But first of all, I just wanted to to say I hope everyone had a good and safe Memorial Day weekend and you know when we truly honor remember those who have served are currently serving and those who will serve our nation so just I just want to say thank you for everyone who did you know put in their service and for those that also had the ultimate sacrifice within it and again just just thank you to all of our military members, current, past, and future. So the reason why I decided to release this episode on Tuesday instead of Monday had to do with this promotion that Corey Jacobson is running here that uh, he talks about on this podcast. So this episode is with Corey. Once again, he's back for the third time to discuss physical conditioning and gear, elk hunting gear. And more specifically with day pack hunting, but Corey's running an absolutely giant promotion that you have a chance to win some things that are are just unreal uh, that make, you know, the value of the course even that much greater to be able to sign up now. And I'll let Corey talk about that at the end of the podcast, the specifics, but this episode is brought to you by the University of Elk Hunting. So Corey Jacobson and Elk 101 have put together a fully comprehensive course for anyone from beginners all the way through experienced elk hunters to help you become more successful. And that's why I've had Corey on here a bunch of times talk a little bit about the course and some different um, aspects of that to help you become a better elk hunter. So Using the code East Meets West will get you 20% off the course and a chance to win these awesome giveaway items that are just um, truly next level. Again, you'll hear about that a little bit later. And in addition to that, Maven Optics. So Maven has just released their new spotting scope, their small 12 to 27 magnification spotting scope. I have mine. It should be coming in here pretty shortly. Really excited to get to use that this year in Idaho. They've created, you know, a platform with the highest quality optics, been able to, you know, give them to you and to us at a much lower price than their competitors by the direct-to-consumer business model. So if you use code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT at checkout, you will get a free gift with any full price optics order. And then lastly, Heather's Choice. So Heather has put together these meals and snacks for backcountry hunters, for hikers, adventurers, people traveling, whatever it might be. Her meals are different than the typical ones you see, you know, on the shelf at an REI or anywhere else. I mean, these are healthy options high fat, high protein, the right nutrients that are built to help you perform in the, the best way possible in the backcountry. 
And the biggest thing that I've noticed from, you know, using these meals or when I, you know, properly fuel my body is I don't get sore the next day. Even after hiking 10 to 12 miles in the mountains, I don't feel sore afterwards when you properly, you know, hydrate and fuel your body with the right food. So use code East Meets West, get yourself free shipping on any orders over $99, or you can use a link in, on our website to click on the logo there under the partners page. That will also really help us out and showing support for the podcast. So in other news, this week I will be heading down to Seven Springs in Pennsylvania, uh, Seven Springs Mountain Resort. The Total Archery Challenge is going on this year. It'll be a four-day event. I will have a booth there where I'll be there to talk hunting, anything, planning trips, doing some podcasting, and also have all my apparel there for sale and available for purchase. Some giveaway stuff going on. Man, it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're coming down to the event, please stop by the booth, say hello. And on Saturday morning, just got the approval for it a couple days ago. So this is really last minute trying to put this together. But putting together the East Meets West Adventure Hike on Saturday morning, 6.30 in the morning. We're going to meet up at the registration booth, the Total Archery Challenge. And we're going to hike up over the ski hills, do a little hike that will put us back in time before the the event starts with a bunch of giveaway items and everything else. If, if you have been to Total Archery Challenge before, you may remember Brian Call doing the gritty hike. Well, Brian can't make it this year, and I kind of wanted to keep the tradition going. So I got approval to be able to put on this event. Check out on the Facebook page. Um, you can find a link to it, to the event. And, you know, RSVP if you're planning on going. So I have an idea of, you know, how many people are going to be there. 6.30 in the morning, we'll uh, head up over the hill. It'll be a really good time and, and get to meet a whole bunch of, you know, like-minded people there. So really, really excited about that. Check check that out. And, yeah, so that's the, the big news this week is being able to meet a bunch of you. Last year was huge. It was my first year, you know, at the Total Archery Challenge having my own booth. And, um, I won't be shooting this year. I'm going through, which it'll be on some future episodes here, uh, struggling a little bit with target panic myself and, you know, which I believe is a a mental thing. You know, it's not anything to do with gear, stuff like that. It's a mental, uh, thing that I have going on where I'm struggling shooting. So it's best that I don't try to shoot at 80 to 100 yards right now and I'm staying disciplined and been blank bail shooting and shooting basically five feet for the last three weeks just learning a back tension release and just trying to start from ground zero so that I'm prepared when it comes uh the fall but yeah I'll be there and be wanting to talk to everybody stop by the booth check it out and with that being said let's dive into the podcast here with Corey, and it's perfect time to talk about physical conditioning with if anybody's going on an elk hunt this year or a mule deer hunt or whatever it might be. We're only about three months out from hunting season, so let's let's get into this and 
and see what Corey has to say about physical conditioning and what's in his pack for day hunting. All right, we're live. I have on the line tonight, or today actually, Corey Jacobson. He's back again for the third appearance on the podcast. What's up, Corey? <laughs> uh, just happy to be back on. Yeah. So uh, getting getting things ready for, you know, we're coming into summer here. There's a lot of, a lot of moving parts going on in your world. There are, yeah. We talked before we started the podcast, if I had my fall elk season plans dialed in and we're getting closer um you know every day i think we get a another piece of the puzzle put together but there's just so many moving parts and pieces and trying to juggle the calendar and you know make sure that we keep family time priority and uh with all the kids playing football and volleyball and everything in september just trying to dial in dates and locations and all that but we're uh getting close and it's kind of getting down to crunch time now yeah do you do you have any hunts that uh that you're really looking forward to this year so far or not kind of figured out yet yeah we've i think we've got all of our locations uh pretty much figured out we're doing oregon again for roosevelt elk just over the counter and uh super excited for that just because we got our rear ends handed to us last year over there so i've got some <laughs> little redemption planned on a roosevelt elk and uh, so we're going there i think the first part of september and we'll come home and probably just stick around close to home here in idaho for uh for the rest of the month but uh, we've got a couple of buddies that have good tags that we might try to find a way to show up and hunt with them a couple days and maybe film their hunts and then uh, we've got kind of a lifetime hunt in october and then we'll finish it off. Uh, Donnie and I are going to go over and hunt with Randy Newberg in Montana with a rifle, which I've only ever shot one elk with a rifle in my life. And that was back in like 2003, I think. So it's, it'll be a, a little bit of a change of pace and a little different hunt. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, that's going to be a, a little bit different. If When, when are the dates are, is the rifle hunt? Uh, it'll be in November at some point, so I'm not. We haven't locked in the exact dates, but sometime in November. It won't be a whole lot of bugling going on then. <laughs> no, there won't. <laughs> Which certainly, you know, adds a adds a at least a little bit of level of uh, anxiety, I guess. Just you know, I I can I'm pretty confident that if elk are bugling, we can find elk somewhere and get into them. If they aren't bugling, though, I'm uh, <laughs> definitely gonna be relying a little more on Randy and his expertise. Yeah, which seems to be his wheelhouse there, so I, I think you'll be fine. <laughs> it is, yeah, and that's kind of why we planned it that way. It was, hey, let's let's go and you show us how you hunt elk, and yeah, that's cool. But yeah, so I um as as I was emailing you back and forth there over the last month, I've uh, basically solidified my plans for Idaho, so I'm pretty excited about that and scouring google earth and and going through some of the steps that we talked about in the last podcast of you know getting some pins point on google earth and then transferring over to onyx and it's been uh it's a fun process and a little bit stressful looking at a completely new area that's for sure absolutely yeah which you know is is part of the fun of it and i we did a, a video last week and released it and it was just on how i use go hunt to scout for 
or how to how I use Go Hunt to research units in the state of Idaho specifically. And quite a few people, well, not quite a few, but more than I'm used to, sent pretty negative emails and messages just saying, "Why are you trying to ruin our hunting areas in Idaho?" And you know, realistically, it's you can tell people all the resources, but there's only a, a certain percentage of the population that's really going to do the work anyway and go in and do it. And I think that is what makes over-the-counter public land type elk hunting so rewarding is that whole process. And it's just, it's not just showing up somewhere and randomly going and hoping to find an elk. When you do the research and put in all the work and the legwork and then show up and you're successful, it makes it just that much more rewarding. Yeah, no, that's, that's for sure. It, it's, it's funny like how, how you get the, you know, that negative feedback towards it. And I, I see that a little bit from when I talk about hunting mountain bucks and in, in Pennsylvania as, as I'm like breaking down on X and how I'm using it to scout and things like that. And mine's on a, you know, much different platform, but similar feedback and, you know, why are you writing articles on this? You know, this is a secret. And I'm like, yeah, but everyone, you still got to put into work. It's a very small percentage of people that are actually going to go through with it. And most of them aren't just, you know, looking to try to go to the same area you are, you know, maybe some are, but for the most part, it's just, I, I think the benefits of, you know, giving out that knowledge, like you're doing with that is outweighs the, the cons of it. Totally. Yeah. And the cons are realistically, it's not going to, I mean, almost every Western state has a cap on non-resident elk tags. So when you look at it that way, it's not bringing new non-residents into the state. There's already a limit on those number of tags anyway. And, you know, we aren't giving away secret areas and we aren't telling people where to go hunt. Uh, we're certainly giving them all the resources and training they need to find their own areas. But at the end of the day, somebody else's success is not going to take away from my success. But the the, posit the positive side is we're bringing new, potentially new people, or we're educating existing hunters to bring them into that family of, of elk hunters and hunters in general that are going to hopefully come together and stick up for each other and stand up for the privilege of hunting when the time comes to defend it. And without that, you know, hunter numbers are decreasing across the nation. And if we don't recruit and, and bring more people in and share our passion for it and share information that will make them excited for it, I mean, it's, it's not unrealistic in 10 to 20 years to think about some of these Western states not allowing either A, non-resident hunters to come at all, B, not allowing over-the-counter tags at all, everything going to a draw, or worst case, losing hunting altogether. And it's just with the political landscape and temperature and, I don't know, there's just there's a lot going on that I really feel that recruiting people and sharing information in a way to encourage people to come on board with us is is such a it outweighs any minuscule negativity that uh, I think it's pretty important to do yeah and one thing to add to that is I was on go hunt actually today on my lunch break at work and I was reading their strategy article for mule deer I was just kind of going through the Idaho one and they were talking about the hunter numbers and I, again I know that Idaho isn't you know one of the the top mule deer destinations for most people but the actual hunter numbers have dropped, dropped, I think it was like 
20,000. Like it was a pretty crazy number in the last couple of years. And I know that there was a, a winter kill in, in 2016, 17, that may have a little bit of an effect in that, but it's not like even the looking at like the five to 10 year trend, it hasn't like drastically increased with all this extra, you know, information that's been put out there. So I mean, no, and, and you look at success rates and success rates haven't changed even with all the advancements in technology and everything. And so it's just, you know, I think what it comes down to is we want it easy. There's no doubt. I want to, you know, I want it easy. I want to go out and bugle in 30 elk a day and, you know, have this great, incredible hunt and want to be able to drive from my house and get out of the truck and be into elk. And, and in some cases, you know, some of us have experienced that in our lifetime and it's not like that anymore. And so I think we look for, the easiest and obvious excuses to to justify why it's harder to hunt. And I think, you know, you look at something like predator management and the wolf issue, which, you know, they're looking at introducing wolves into Colorado, which I think could uh, have more of an effect on elk hunting in the West than anything we've ever discussed or thought about. Uh, you look at public land issues and some of those things, and there's just, there's bigger battles that are far uh, have, have a far bigger effect on elk hunting and that need our attention far more than squabbling over providing information to somebody on YouTube. Yeah. And in, in the end of it, it's the only argument that anybody could have against it is for selfish reasons, you know, their own selfish reasons. And, and that can't, I mean, it's just, that's just being honest with it. It's the, the last thing I wanted to say about that is I was reading an article the other day online that uh, Dustin Rowe wrote, and it had to do with sheep hunting, but the quote can kind of be applied to anything, in my opinion. And it was talking about, you know, they were asking him how he has success in some of these places that, you know, have low success rates and supposedly low, um, uh, just like odds of trophy potential, things like that. And and he had stated that, you know, if if they have a, a tag quota for a certain species in area, in his case, he was saying for sheep, he's like, then there's animals to be found. You just have to work hard and not give up at it. And it can be had a great experience can be had anywhere, no matter what the success rates are, you know, what the, you know, the animal numbers are. Yeah. Sometimes you can, you know, find better areas that are, are, will give you a little bit more success than others, but if you work hard at it and, and, and work harder than the, than the rest of people and just again, get out there, it, you can find different success no matter what the, the people numbers are and everything else. So I thought that was a really interesting Absolutely. perspective of looking at it and, and kind of help me in the process. Cause sometimes I dive so deep into things that I, again, I stress myself out a little bit when I'm looking <laughs> at areas and you know, what, what, what's, you know, where am I going to find the best success? And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, no, how about I focus on, you know, my elk calling and my, and, and, you know, everything else and getting my gear dialed in and everything else to my fitness to focus on, on this hunt and, and, you know, go with my gut and my knowledge from, you know, your online course and some other different avenues of learning how to scout. So totally. Yep. Just thought that was interesting. But so today, Corey, I want to talk to you about a couple different uh, modules in your online course. So I'm not going to go into a whole uh, big introduction of you as you've been on here a few times and your online courses 
if, uh, if you listen to the podcast before, it's in the introduction here is it's something that I've been uh, a part of and going through the course now. This will be my fourth year going through it and it's been extremely helpful for me. So I wanted to dive into a couple of these sections here, especially with the time of year, uh, physical conditioning as we're getting in shape or hopefully staying in shape. And also the gear side of things is you need to maybe either get some last minute things to help you train throughout the summer with it, or, or you're starting fresh to uh, give people some ideas on that. So what do you think about diving into uh, physical fitness here? I think it'll be great. And, you know, it's, you mentioned the key there, and I think I've probably talked about it before, but I used to be that person that, you know, didn't stay in shape year round. And I, I think I was active enough that it worked out okay. Um, but with that being said, I can still remember going to the gym, you know, July 15th or July 20th. And that was my start of elk season physical conditioning. And I'd push hard for six weeks and I was young enough and active enough and, you know, just being out in the woods enough that I didn't have to, uh, it was good. I was in good shape with that amount of work, but working a day job and not having time to, to be out and starting a family and having young kids and everything, it just, it definitely transitioned. And my wife used to laugh at me because I'd say, I'm going to start working out next week and getting ready for elk season. And she knew back then something that I didn't realize, and that's, it's way easier to get in shape and then stay in shape year round and make it a part of a lifestyle than it is to cram. It's kind of like studying for a test. You know, if you wait until the last minute and stay up all night cramming, yeah, you can make it and you can get by, but you don't retain that information nearly like you do if you if you absorb it through a longer period of time and make it a part of your regular habits. So physical conditioning, I think if, if folks aren't uh, working right now towards it, I think now is a great time to bring it up and, and hopefully motivate and inspire people to start it now instead of waiting any longer. Yeah. And, and there's so many different, you know, aspects of, you know, your everyday life that it helps out. I mean, you're, I'm, when I'm working out regularly, you know, I'm in a better mood. My energy levels are better. It usually correlates with eating cleaner. There's just, there's a whole, you know, plethora of things out there that benefits that physical fitness and staying in shape can do, you know, even in addition to elk hunting, but with, with you, you know, um, with your online courses, we go through the, the kind of like the, the chapter there. It talks about, you know, the why behind it. And you kind of just, you know, covered that there. But as far as with elk hunting, um, if anyone's coming, you know, from whitetail hunting or anything else in a different part of the United States, the, the Rocky Mountains are definitely no joke. And <laughs> I'd learned that firsthand. And, and, uh, Corey, if you want to kind of talk a little bit about like, you know, your thoughts on, on physical conditioning for specifically elk hunting and kind of the physical demand that it takes to, to hunt for a week straight. For sure. And I think before we dive into some of the specifics, it's important that everyone understands. We know that everyone's in a different place in their life, you know, their abilities, their age, uh, the, the time that's available to spend working out. Some people have an outside job where they're outside every day in the hills and staying active 
productive and some people are stuck at a desk and it's harder. Uh, lifestyles, eating habits, all of these things that really contribute to that. And so as we talk about physical conditioning, I think it's important to remember you don't have to be in marathon shape or uh, Ironman shape or anything to be a successful elk hunter. But with that being said, elk live in pretty rugged places. And to put your body in that situation to chase them for six to eight to 10 days at a time, you will crash during that eight day period if you're not prepared. And you may not even make it out of the gate because there's, you know, you, you come from an elevation of 300 feet above sea level and you go and hunt elk in Colorado at 10,000 feet your body's not going to adapt and it's not going to be very happy with you, especially those first few days, even if you are in shape. So, you know, just, just understanding elk hunting's tough, elk live in, you know, pretty extreme terrain for the most part. Um, it's going to be challenging on your body day after day. There's an endurance aspect of it. The confidence that you have to be able to go over one more ridge or to chase a bugle down into a canyon those opportunities are going to increase your success if you're confident in doing that. And then lastly, when you get one down, that, I think that's really when your physical conditioning is tested. When you start processing the elk and then have to pack it out of the woods, it's you'll learn really quickly what muscle groups you're going to need to work out for the next 11 months. Yeah, I mean, it, and when you're, you get to say that, that point, and I haven't been there with elk yet, but I know this even with whitetails. Say you, you get one down, it's after a long day, you track it, and it's dark out by the time you have to start processing it. And you cut it up and, you know, put it in your pack. And, you know, at that point, in a normal day, you'd be getting ready to go into sleep. And you already walked all day, hiked all day. And it takes a, you know, one, you know, your physical fitness and also your mental strength which I believe is can be a lot of it correlated to the shape that you're in to you know kind of get you out of those situations and make it a little less painful. Absolutely, and I think you know you touched on the mental aspect of it, and that's one of the the, uh, the aspects of elk hunting. I think a lot of people overlook or just miss completely is being mentally strong. And when you physically work out, and, and we can get into more details on, on the conditioning side, but I'm not talking necessarily being at a gym and doing, you know, bench presses or squats, although for a lot of us, that is important. Uh, but whatever you do to push yourself physically, your body's going to respond. And the more uncomfortable you make it right now, the more mental strength you're going to get, the more confidence you're going to have because your body's going to realize, I've been pushed before. I can push through this and I know I'm going to be okay. And for people that haven't pushed themselves and haven't pushed their limits, you know, they get in those situations, which I, I will almost guarantee you're going to face those situations if you're elk hunting. And if your mind is not built up and strong from, be, from pushing yourself through the off season, it's going to be really easy for your mind to give up. And if you, if your mind is in it, your body will respond. If your mind, if you, if you have a strong mind and mentally you're tough and, and conditioned, you're going to be able to tell your body, do it. And your body's going to respond and do it. It'll, it'll respond to just about anything. Yeah. And, and like you said, you I mean, your body is capable of way more than you think. It's usually your mind that quits first. And, you know, but the, the problem with that is if, 
again, like if you haven't pushed yourself to those extremes or, or to that point of, you know, almost breaking or just, you know, pushing your mind to that different level, then you won't know what to do at that standpoint. And you might quit or you might, you know, take a, take a morning off or a day off because of this or that. And, and I don't know, for me, it was a huge learning curve. You know, what I thought was in shape and the workouts that I thought was getting me in shape that I, I was huge into weightlifting all through college and everything else, but it was the wrong <laughs> types of, for, you know, something like elk hunting. And I learned quickly my first year when, you know, my mind was just, there was certain parts of that hunt and I don't want to make it sound like it was terrible or anything, but it, it, uh, it was definitely playing tricks on me, you know? Yeah. Yep. No. And I think it's, you know, you, you mentioned the, you've lifted weights a lot and it wasn't the right muscles or whatever. And it's important to consider what you're going to be using when you're elk hunting and structure and tailor some kind of a workout program around that. And, you know, we've, we've hunted with people that have come out and ran on a treadmill and that was their workout is every day or every other day they're running three miles on a treadmill. And well, that's great. And you might be able to jog for, you know, three miles across a flat. The second you hit a hill with a 30 pound pack on your back, it's a completely different situation and your body's not prepared for it. And, you know, we talk about elevation masks or training masks and it, they really don't work. I mean, that's just the bottom line to take you from a thousand feet in elevation to 10,000 feet in elevation. A mask just isn't going to help you. And, um, going and doing bench presses isn't going to help you. So just knowing what to do and trying to replicate what you're going to be facing and what your body's going to be put up against is I think vital. And I think on the most simplest form, put on a backpack with 40 pounds in it and go and find the steepest hill around you, whatever it is, and start just climbing up and down it. And, you know, that's going to, that's going to work the muscles you need, your back, your shoulders, your core, your legs. Those are the, uh, the important ones. Plus you're going to be getting that cardio that's going to expand your capacity to be able to take oxygen and turn it into energy. So what type of uh, workouts or what's your kind of plan look like? Are you spending a lot of time in the gym, uh, a lot of time in the mountains, or a little bit of mix when the time permits? You know, it's kind of a mix. We, we do a lot of shed hunting, so we're just kind of winding down shed season. And it's we do a, you know, I, I don't want to use the word extreme because we're certainly, there are people that go a lot harder than we do. But, you know, a lot of the areas that we shed hunt are eight or 10 miles hike back into there and so we're going for a three-day backcountry bivy hunt looking for elk sheds and so we'll carry 30 or 40 pounds of camp on our back and hike in eight or ten miles and then the whole next day we're climbing 3,500 feet in elevation from camp up looking for sheds and you know it's an extreme we're covering 10 miles a day and then we're hiking out hopefully loaded down with our camp and all of our our sheds so it really kind of simulates elk hunting. You know, you hike in somewhere elk hunting with camp, you set up, you hunt, and then you carry out a heavier pack than what you went in with. And so a lot of ours is just really uh, simulating what we're going to see in elk season. From here, I transition into more of a gym workout. Summers get busy. And so I try to devote an hour every other day uh, in the gym, just doing more of a full body kind of circuit workout where I'm getting a 
decent, I wouldn't even say decent, some level of cardio and working all of the areas of my body with weights. And usually it's dumbbells or free weights. I don't get too awful extreme there. And I'm not trying to bulk up. I just want to, you know, increase the endurance in my muscles, push them a little bit, obviously gain more strength. But I think at my age, it's more avoiding injury and making sure the muscles are working together and ready to respond. Yeah. Um, you were saying a little bit earlier about, you know, just throwing a pack on and 40 pounds and finding the steepest, you know, hill or whatever that might be, um, stairs, whatever, you know, you have available. Um, I think it was a little over a year ago. I did an article on this topic for Eastern and Midwestern guys and girls. And I interviewed, I think it was five guys um, from different states and then then myself with Pennsylvania and just talked about like their plan with it. And just about anywhere you go, um, if you can have either some sort of hills within, you know, a short driving distance or, you know, some people are, you know, building step up boxes and and doing different things like that. But every single person had something in their workout around having a pack and weight on and being able to figure that out. And, you know, I'm lucky and a lot of people here that live in the Appalachian range, you know, we have the Appalachian mountains here. They might not be as tall, um, but a lot of areas are just as steep and you can find that. Yeah. You don't get the elevation differences, but you can find that. And not from, not from my own experiences, I don't have, you know, I don't have a wife and kids, but I know some people that will take it take their family on a, like a, a weekend hiking trip and they'll just put weight in their pack. So it's, you know, still manageable for their kids and their wife to go on and make it enjoyable. And you can also get some training out of it. So I think from an infield standpoint, you know, if you can be able to do that a, a day or so a week or whatever you can, you know, fit into your time schedule, that, that definitely helps out. And I just kind of wanted to give a little bit of a perspective from, you know, us in the East that may not have, uh, you know, the, the mountains out the back door, I guess. Yeah. And when you look at it, even in, you know, for us that live out in the West in steep, rugged terrain, we're typically probably not going to hike more than 200 yards up a hill before we have to stop and recollect and (laughs) catch our breath. And so, you know, you don't need a 4,000 foot elevation gain, to be able to test yourself and push yourself. If you've got, like you said, just a hill that's 300 yards, whatever it is, go and tackle it and just go up and down. Cause down is, you know, as much of a workout is up on, on muscles and tendons and joints and everything. So, uh, you know, and, and in, in the online course, in the university of Elkhunning online course, knowing that everybody's different, knowing that everybody has different time restrictions and access to gyms and home gyms, there's, there's four different programmed workouts based around all of those differences in the online course that people can do if they're looking for some motivation or for, for some help. And, you know, some of them are a backpack on where you just go outside and do burpees and push-ups and step-ups on a rock or whatever it is and then get in a half-mile hike. And some of them are just all you need is a, a sandbag and a box and you can do it in your your garage or out in your front lawn. Um, some of them are full, you know, going to make you sweat and hurt, almost a CrossFit style of of in-gym workout that uses a lot of body weights. And some of them are just more of that core where you're doing squats and overhead presses and uh, deadlifts and 
pull-ups and things like that. So, I mean, it really, everything's going to depend on what your goals are, what your time is, what you have access to. But I guess the, the really important thing to stress is do something. Do, do something today that's going to make you more prepared for elk hunting tomorrow. And if you start now in three months, you're going to be in better shape than you are today, which I truly feel is going to make you a better elk hunter in three months than you are today. Yeah. The, and like you said, the, I think that the point that you said about just doing something is such a huge point to stress. I know, I know I got into it before where I'm like, Oh, if I can't get an hour workout, you know, what's the point? Well, once I was traveling a lot for work and realized I only had, you know, 20 minutes in a hotel room that I could do or whatever else it is, you, you find time to fit it in and it can be, you know, extremely beneficial with it. So that's, that's, um, yeah, like you said, on the online course, you have all the different sections you have, you know, Brian call on there doing a certain section. You have Mark and Jeff Skousen. Am I pronouncing their name right? Yep. Yep. And, um, Dan Staten and, um, and then you have another one, um, with Russ on there doing a, a, the workout outside, you know, stepping up on the rocks and everything. And they're really good videos and you can kind of, you know, either follow along their workout plan that you have right in the course, or you can kind of mix it together and find your own, you know, mix for it. So that's, that's, uh, definitely, definitely beneficial. Yeah, and I think the important part and the reason that that's included in there is if you're coming from back east or somewhere and you've never been to elk country, you might not know what to do. And, it, you know, you're looking at it going, oh, I'm just going to go get on a treadmill and, and jog and I'll be in better shape. And you absolutely will. But realistically, that's you aren't going to do a whole lot of jogging on flat or even slightly inclined terrain when you're elk hunting. And so I think working out uh, and doing exercises that replicate what you're going to be faced with and what you're going to be challenged by in the elk woods is really important. Yeah, no, I, um, I completely agree. I, this year I took a little bit of a different route with it and I signed up for the, the mountain tough fitness course yep. and man, that's been extremely beneficial. One, it's, it's it uh, definitely kicks your butt um, from that <laughs> standpoint, but it's, I think it's really helped me kind of push my limits and see different, um, uh, I guess, find, find your limits. And I, I feel great with it. And it more or less what it did was also teach me, you know, the important muscle groups, as you were describing, you know, your core, your back, your shoulders and legs and working them into a circuit type routine where you're getting a little bit of cardio mixed in it, muscular endurance, things like that. And, and, you know, that's on more of the extreme side of things, but I, I just have realized in you know, the last three years of elk hunting that I, I don't think there's ever going to be a point where I wish I was in worse shape. So I'm doing whatever <laughs> I can. And I do these workouts before work. I get up at four fifteen every morning and I go to the gym and get it done and, on Fridays, I'll go for a hike in the morning, you know, before work or whatever it is, you know, I just try to find time in the days. Everybody's busy and, and, uh, it's tough, but I think it's definitely, definitely important. Yep. Absolutely. 
So, Corey, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on the physical fitness side of things, or do you want to jump into gear? Yeah, I think, that, you know, we hopefully anyone listening just understands physical conditioning is important. Um, I think it contributes to success, and we all hear the stories of people who aren't in shape that are successful year after year, but... Uh, like you mentioned at the beginning, there's a lifestyle advantage, there's a health advantage, there is, you know, you're preventing injury, elk hunting is going to be tough, you're going to wear yourself out, but it's going to be more enjoyable, and I truly feel that if you have confidence in your physical conditioning, it's going to propel you closer to success and contribute to your success, and uh, you know, it's it's not you're in better shape than me or I'm in better shape than you. It's more a matter of you are in better shape in three months than you are right now. And that makes you a better hunter than you are right now. And I think that's all, that's something that we should all be, be working towards, especially if success is important to us. Yeah, very good point. Like, and like you said earlier, we are all in different stages of our life and different ages and, you know, what we can physically do anything else and just any anything that you can do to help i mean i think that's you know crucial and again i'm i'm speaking of it as not saying that i'm an experienced elk hunter or anything that's just from my first you know few experiences physical physical conditioning is definitely um a big part of it and and more in the enjoyment factor than than anything for me but and also whenever that elk you know, all of a sudden bugles, you know, way up there and you, and you're running up the hill after it. That's when I started incorporating sprints a little bit in my workout too. But yep. <laughs> that, yeah, uh, I know guys that'll, you know, just shoot 40 yards with their bow and they'll sprint to the target. And then obviously you have arrows in your hands. So, you know, you have to come up with a realistic way to get back to your bow. It may not be sprinting, but you know, then get back and do burpees or do jumping jacks or have a jump rope there and do something to elevate your heart rate a little bit, pick up your bow and shoot your four arrows or six arrows and then sprint to the target and just, you know, incorporate your, your daily or however often you shoot, just incorporate a, a physical element to that. Or if you're busy and you just don't have time, you know, get up in the morning before you go out and eat breakfast and do 50 push ups and 50 sit ups, just do something and, you know, don't wait until August 1st to, to try to cram because that's one test and the uh, the mountains are, are one instructor that just, uh, they don't have any mercy for those who don't prepare for that exam and it will test you. <laughs> yeah, Corey, and like you were talking about using, you know, being able to shoot your bow and get a workout in kind of at the same time. Uh, I've been to the point where I've mowed the grass push mowing with a 50 pound pack on and just uh just to get that workout in you know i'm running low in time i get home from work only a few hours or so till dark and i need to cut the grass before it rains and you can kind of you know double duty it and kill two birds with one stone you know or you know this past weekend i was taking trail cameras out for whitetails and i put 50 pounds in my back to fill up a sandbag and and took that out with me just to you know, again, use the best of my time that I have available to, you know, get a little bit of a, a workout into. Yep. Absolutely. 
All right. So to switch switch gears a little bit here, I wanted to talk um, this topic. You know, is something we could ex- you know extremely dive in deep with. And I did recently. I don't know, Corey. Do you know um, Mark Hulsing from Maxwell Mountain Gear? I do. Yeah, I know Mark fairly well. So actually, the, today as we're recording this, I just released the podcast I did with him, and we went down and broke down his whole gear list of uh, four to five day backpack elk hunt. So it was just nothing but going through the gear, explaining what it's used for, and kind of doing that. So kind of what I wanted to do with this podcast is talk about gear from the standpoint of you know what what it is to you as far as the importance of it you know from a safety a comfort and efficiency level as well as you know what you're doing to be able to you know buy the the right gear that you need and you know but being able to save maybe a little bit of money for tags and then there comes the other side of looking at it where you know you don't want to buy something and then it fail and kind of looking at it from an investment standpoint. So I guess to to start out here, Corey, you know, do you think gear is important and kind of why would you, why would you say that? Yeah. And and I think, you know, it's, it's important to understand your style of hunting. If you're going to be sitting in a tree stand over a water hole, the first week of September, your gear is going to be completely different than somebody who's rifle hunting third season in Colorado during the first week of November. Uh, so understanding your style of hunting, uh, the conditions you're going to be in, the potential weather, some of those things is going to help kind of dial in not only what level of gear you need, but what gear needs to be your focus and what you know what could be deemed essential gear. But I, there's no doubt that gear contributes to success as well. Uh, you look at the, the old-time pictures of our grandparents hunting in blue jeans and a red flannel or a red wool coat and no optics at all and a 30-30 rifle without a scope on it. And they shot elk every season. And you could easily come to the argument of, well, you know, they did it without all the fancy gear and they didn't have to worry about their pants matching their jacket and having the latest and greatest pair of boots or a backpack that'll haul a tractor on it or, you know, those sort of things. But at the same time, there is an advantage. Uh, it contributes to success. I think it, it uh, you can be more successful with the right gear. Again, like physical conditioning, you don't have to have the best gear to be successful. Uh, but then it comes down to if you're going to elk hunt every year, there probably are some things that are worth investing in higher quality gear that's going to last you that you don't have to replace every year or every two years. Uh, and then, again, finding out what is most important to you and, and at least identifying those isen- those essential pieces and then maybe putting more priority on obtaining those pieces. Yeah, and with when it comes down to it, You know, if you had to start off by saying, okay, you know, there are certain gear items that are truly essential and you want to kind of save your money and and save your money to spend on these gear items. Do you have, you know, a a preference and say three items that you would say are are completely necessities? Yeah. So I I guess, you know, you talked with Mark about bivy hunting gear. So most of my hunting is day hunting. We just stay at a base camp. 
and then we get up early and we head out for the day and we come back to that base camp at night and we certainly do bivy hunt but i've just found that being mobile on a bigger scale seems to be more efficient because if we get locked into an area and we're on foot and the elk just aren't there for whatever reason other hunters weather predators whatever it is then we lose a day getting in there a day hunting and a day getting out Whereas if we're hunting from a base camp and just hiking hard and putting in 12 to 14 miles a day, yeah, it's a little more taxing on our body, but I just feel we have, we're more efficient doing it that way. So when it comes to that, you know, for an archery hunt, I would say a backpack is one of the priority pieces of gear, uh, clothing, boots. Um, those would probably be my top three. If I'm rifle hunting, you know, later in the season, uh, boots and clothing and backpacks are still going to be important. You're going to have a need for optics probably depending on the terrain. So those are probably the big three. They're also probably going to be the most expensive three. And when it comes to a weapon, I put a lot less uh, priority for a new hunter or somebody going out because any weapon that's within the last 10 years uh, old is going to be effective and you don't have to have the latest greatest to to be able to kill an elk i think that a backpack is important because it's going to be on your back every day of the hunt uh, you're going to need to carry your essential gear in it whether you're day hunting or bivy hunting and then to be able to turn around and pack an elk out on it your you know cheap little army navy bag isn't going to work and and you're going to you're going to hate elk hunting if that's what you have uh, clothing can keep you comfortable and safe, and with the way that elk hunting works, you're starting out in the morning when it's cold, you're hiking all day and sweating while it's cold, you might be stopping and glassing, then you're you know going through the middle of the day when it might be warmer, there's the, the possibility you might get stuck on the mountain overnight, and so clothing as an item of gear is important, and having the right clothing. Anybody that's hunting in cotton gear for elk is asking you know, for trouble and not being comfortable. And then boots, you know, anytime you look at boots, it's, uh, you're on your feet all day and you're hiking in rugged terrain and your ankles and your feet and the rest of your body, the point of contact with the ground that you're punishing your body with is your feet. And so having good boots is, is important. And for me, you know, calling is, is my style of hunting. So elk calls are important. Um, being prepared for success and having a good knife and game bags and being ready to take care of an elk is important. Uh, trekking poles have made a huge difference for me. So, yeah, there's a, a handful of kind of what I feel are my essential pieces of gear. Yeah, and it's it's funny that the top three I was thinking of were the same ones that, that you had mentioned uh, from experience with a pack failing my first year with the main buckle me and, and my cousin actually both bought the same pack and got it on sale on a Memorial Day sale. And the main buckle broke on his that went around the waist belt. And I had a couple compression straps, buckles break. And just, it it was a, a struggle. And so, you know, the next year I invested in, uh, which that wasn't a, a bad pack by any means, but I invested in a, um, a little bit better pack and, you know, one that correctly fit me and everything else. And then from the clothing standpoint, it, with my background of building systems for people, when I worked for a SICA dealer 
and everything. That's when I truly learned. I mean, most of us whitetail hunters, if you're going into a tree stand, a lot of times, you know, it was just going in and your cotton t-shirt underneath your clothes and cotton underwear and socks. And, and now I've learned the benefits of running synthetics and merinos, even for whitetail hunting, but that just doesn't fly at all. You know, when it comes to elk hunting and like you said when it's cold in the mornings and you're sweating and everything else it's something that's able to dry out and i i think base layers are something that are overlooked a lot and i just wanted to make sure i stress that point don't just get the nice jacket you know everyone wants a nice hunting jacket but i i truly believe base layers are more important than that oh absolutely Absolutely. Yeah. If you, if you're wet all day, you're asking for trouble and your body's not able to regulate as you go through those microclimate changes. And, you know, an an outer jacket is important. If you're hunting in really wet weather, it's going to keep you dry from the outside, but no matter what weather you're hunting in, you're going to be wet from the inside and being able to wick that moisture to the outside where it can be evaporated is the you know, that's the foundation of a layering system. And when it comes to insulation, you know, there's a lot of different pieces and ways to do it and to layer. So I I would say the insulation component is probably the least important, but I'm with you. That base layer is the foundation of the layering system and, and the thing that is probably the least expensive part of the system, but a lot of people overlook. Yeah. And you were talking about how you do a majority of your hunting or a lot of it, at least, um, you know, day hunting from the truck. And I think you can definitely cut down on a lot of gear costs by doing that. Um, you don't need, you know, the, the lightweight tent or sleeping bag and things like that, that can cost a lot of money. So what, what exactly are some of the essential items that you have in your day pack? So just in my day pack, I, I break it into basically four categories. So I've got what I deem to be my essential items, which are, you know, flashlights, toilet paper, my food for the day, uh, plenty of water for the day, and then a first aid kit. And those are the things that really never come out. Uh, Most of them get replaced, except for the first aid kit. I'm replacing, you know, food, water, uh, depending on how much toilet paper I carry, and then batteries for the flashlights. So pretty much every day when I get back to camp, those are readily accessible. They're in the top of my pack. And then you know, I'm kind of spending a couple minutes each night replacing them. And then I have my hunting items, which are the the basics I need to be able to hunt. So I've got, for me, my calls, my bugle tube and diaphragms. I've got my license and tag. Uh, I've got a bottle of wind checker. I've got my rangefinder. I've got my mobile device with my OnX app on that. And then uh, my trekking poles, which I have just recently, you know, in the last three or four years started religiously carrying trekking poles. So they're always in my pack and I have a small lightweight set that I can just fold up. They don't take up any room. They're less than a pound and man, they're worth far more than their weight in gold when they're needed. So that those are my hunting items. And then I've got my kill kit, which, you know, is at the bottom of my pack. It's just organized in a little pouch and it sits there until I'm successful. And that's my knife with extra blades. It's uh, a roll of flagging ribbon and some parachute cord. 
that's where I usually carry my camera and extra batteries for the camera, depending on, you know, the hunt and what we're trying to capture from the hunt. And then I've got game bags and some baby wipes. And I also carry just an extra flashlight and batteries, usually just a smaller lightweight one in there because I have packed out elk quite frequently well into the night or through the night. So it's dark. And if I happen to lose a, a headlamp or a flashlight out of my main pack, I've got a backup there. Uh, and then the optional items would be something like a decoy. If I'm hunting in terrain where I feel a decoy might be effective. Uh, if I'm hunting in a in a climate where a rain jacket, I usually don't wear rain gear in September, especially where we're hunting from a truck camp. I know I can go back to camp each night and put on dry clothes for the next day or dry out if I need to. So I usually don't carry a rain jacket unless I know, hey, there's thunder showers today and I'm going to hunker down under a tree for a couple hours. But the I don't know if I've hunted more than five times in the last five years in a rain jacket, like actually hunted elk in September uh, wearing a rain jacket. Okay. And and you, um, I know that you run an Exo Mountain Gear pack. What size are you typically putting all of this in? Uh, for day hunting, a 2,000. So 2,000 is more than sufficient for a day hunt. And the nice thing about the XO is then, you know, it's the same frame as the 5,500. So it'll carry those same punishing loads of elk meat, but be really small and compressed for fast and light day hunting. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's important to be able to, you know, you have that smaller pack and Mark touched that, touched on that a little bit on the podcast day with him about, you know, making sure your packs fit for what you're doing. You don't need a giant pack cause you'll just fill it with stuff. So, um, that was a, that was an extremely important part and something that I, you know, learned a little bit of myself. So, and I've even got like, well, we're shed hunting. I'll take just the frame of my exo pack and just the load hauler on it. And then just put my lid on, on top of it there. And I'll put all my gear for the day just in the lid. And I mean, that system is two pounds, if that, and again, I can haul, you know, as, as much weight as my body, the, the pack is not the limiting factor on hauling weight at that point. And so there's, like you said, I like to make sure that the pack is streamlined and not any bigger than what I need for for two reasons. Number one, to cut down on, on a little bit of weight. But number two, just because I know if it's big enough, I'm probably going to make the decision to carry more than what I need. And if I have to decide to leave something behind when I leave each day, it just makes it easier to say I can't take that or I'm not going to add the extra weight or bulk of a rain jacket today. It's not looking like it's going to rain and I'm, I know I'm coming back tonight, so I'm going to leave it. Whereas if I had a bigger pack and there's plenty of room, I'd probably carry three or four pounds of extra weight, which after 14 miles a day and seven days, that four pounds definitely contributes to fatigue. Yeah, and in, in the online course, you have your gear list, you know, written down and how it comes out to 14 pounds, which really made me think about what I'm carrying. Because <laughs> yep. I think my I think my day hunting setup was still close to 30 pounds, and that's way too heavy. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so. And when we went in bivy hunting for uh, for sheds here a month ago or so, you know, my my three-day bivy pack was, I weighed it, and I think it was 32 pounds, and it was heavier than I wanted. But we were going in, you know, weather was going to be inclement. We knew that we were going to have rain. Um, I, I'm really cold. I get cold easily. So this time of year, there was still snow and, and stuff where we were going. So I had to carry a little heavier sleeping bag. And 
water was a concern, especially going in. So I had to load up on water from the truck. And so, you know, having a pack that's 32 or 35 pounds versus one that's 25 to 28 pounds is a huge difference over 10 miles. And anything you can do to comfortably save weight, I think, uh, is a benefit to you. Yeah, no, I'm, I was impressed by the, the bare necessities of what you had there. Cause like I said, you, you feel every pound when you're climbing up over the mountain. So, and in, instead of, you know, spending a ton of money in lightweight gear on things, there's probably a lot of those gear items you can just leave in the truck. And again, that's a point Mark brought up was if you have those comfort items that you're worried about, just leave them in the truck. You're usually never too far away that you can't get back to your truck and uh, a hike, a half a day hike at most, you know, to, to get back and need those items. So that was, um, that's a really good point. And, and just lastly on the gear thing that I wanted to cover Corey is how you're making sure that gear is, you know, fit for you, like through testing it or what are your kind of some of your methods for that? Yeah. And that's, you know, I, th- I think the shed hunting, like I'd mentioned, I'm taking my elk hunting gear with me on that and proving it right now, because the last thing you want to do is get on a, an elk hunt, especially if you're traveling across the country and get out there and realize your sleeping bag, you know, you, you're cold at night and you're unable to sleep. So all night you toss and turn and shiver and you aren't getting good sleep. Your body's not recovering. Uh, you know, you're tent if it leaks your trekking poles if they break your backpack i had a backpack one time that uh you know i bought it it looked just like a previous model i'd had and we shot an elk and ended up staying overnight on the mountain where we shot the elk completely unprepared to stay overnight but we survived and it was fine and the next day got up and we were we were ways back in and we decided to bring the elk out just two of us in one trip and so our loads were absolutely insane and i don't you know i'm not gonna throw numbers out but i know what that pack weighed and it was way too much weight to be carrying uh but you know i got my buddy loaded up and helped him stand up with the pack and he just hit the trail and started down and i kind of stood there and drank the rest of my water bottle and put it on my pack and we'd set it up on a rock so i could just kind of lean back against the rock and put it on and lean forward and go and he was probably 200 yards ahead of me already, and I leaned forward and put the pack on and buckled my chest strap and got up and put the uh, the waist belt and snapped it and tightened it down and tightened down my shoulder straps and kind of leaned forward to take a step, and both shoulder straps snapped at the buckle. And we're five miles back in with all this weight, and I had to tie knots from the nylon shoulder strap into the nylon on the waist belt and had no adjustment in those shoulder straps for the entire way out. And with that much weight, I'm continually taking weight off of the shoulders, carrying on my waist, and then I'll tighten you know, the shoulder straps down and loosen the waist and just back and forth to just give each area and muscle section a, a little bit of a break. And I can still feel the pain in my shoulders and neck and back from that trip and, and not having that adjustability. So... Needless to say, I was that was the first time I'd used that pack, and it went right back, and there was an unhappy exchange of words about how the pack failed, and <laughs> I got my money back. And so, I mean, it's, it's super important to put 100 pounds on a backpack and carry it, not only to find out where, where you need to adjust it to make it fit a little better and make it more comfortable, but to make sure it's actually going to work for how you intend to use it. Yeah. 
No, that's that's a good point. And and for me, I I do a lot of not a lot, but uh, say once a month, uh, summer trips where I'll do like a I'll backpack on an area and a trail, and might only be a, you know a few miles in, but I'll if I'm planning on doing a bivy style hunt, I'll carry all my stuff with me and set it up, set ten up, and you know pack it, get used to packing your bag and doing everything there, and just using your gear and seeing how it works for you is is uh definitely important and that goes across all avenues of hunting even you know even beyond elk hunting and just testing your gear and because you can have the latest and greatest even uh say a pack say you have an exo mountain gear you have a a sika or a kafaru or whatever it might be if you don't know how to adjust it or make it fit you then it's no better than you know one that that you got on clearance at um, name box store X, you know, it's, that's, that's, I think was one of the biggest learning curves for me. I remember when, when I was having problems, I, I literally, I bought a Kafaru and I was like, wow, I'm having pain in this. These are supposed to be the best packs. And I called, I think I, I think it was Aaron at the time when I, I called and I was like, Hey, I'm having troubles with this. And so he had me send some pictures of me wearing it. And he's like, well, that's because you don't have it, you know, adjusted right, dumbass, you know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and to help me do that. And then once I got to test it and figure it out, then it was like, oh, that was all on me. And uh, so uh, just a really important point, in my opinion. Yep, absolutely. Well, cool. Corey, I think, uh, I think we covered a lot of really good parts here from you know the physical conditioning and you know the gear standpoint again we're in a crucial point especially if you're planning on elk hunting this year to uh you know start testing this and getting getting or staying in shape with it and i uh i'd really strongly you know urge people to check out the online course you know you were generous enough to give the listeners 20 percent off by entering code east meets west at uh, checkout there and diving into the details and really getting to see the the course lined out and i'm sure um it, at this point you know the the listeners have been able to notice that i i don't promote a whole lot of things on here but you know this is something that the things that I do promote are things that I've, you know, purchased myself and, and tested and did all of that for a while. And, and that online course was just a valuable resource. And, and it's not investing in something as say a, a product that you're physically going to hold in hand. It's more, it's investing in yourself and your knowledge for it. So I strongly urge people to take a look at that. You know, and you, you, you kind of stole my thunder there, but that was, that was where I was going to go is we just got done talking about gear and the most important piece of gear that you own is you. And, you know, you can use that as, you know, the weapon, the gear, whatever it is, but so many people go out and spend $1,000 on a new bow and $600 on a backpack and $400 on boots and all of this money they're spending and gear definitely contributes to success, but I think gear is there to enhance the the preparation that you put in and the most important thing that you have to invest in is yourself and to gain that knowledge of elk and uh, just a basic understanding of thermals in the mountains and what to do when you're successful and that's what's going to propel you to success having the gear spending money on other things is important but 
don't do that and think that it's going to automatically because you have the the best gear and the highest quality gear that you're going to be successful because without putting the, the effort and preparation into yourself whether it's physical conditioning or knowledge or different things uh, gear's not going to to be much of a contributing factor until you do that well, I think those are some great, great points there, Corey. And and again, you, I, I think you just stole the title for the the guest I've had on the most hitting three. You know, you just passed up John Barclow, and and <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I I appreciate again all your time that you've spent, you know, coming on here and helping. Hopefully, you know, if we uh, are able to line up the schedules, we can get one more in before elk season and and kind of summarize this and hopefully get everybody you know, on the right page and, and including and selfishly including myself in this. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I guess, uh, depending on timing of, of when this podcast comes out, but if, uh, if someone listening is considering signing up for the online course, wait until May 28th, because we have a, a huge promotion kicking off on May 28th that, uh, will definitely make it more beneficial and worthwhile to wait until then. So we've, uh, I, I don't know, th- this podcast probably be coming out right about then, won't it? The, yeah, actually right this will release so. right on May 28th. Going to take the the Monday that I normally release as a Memorial Day holiday and release it with the timing here of this promotion. So we, I guess we can let the cat out of the bag because it won't be uh, premature by then, but we are, uh, we're giving away a truck and uh, we've got a sweet custom truck. It's you know fully wrapped with uh, Mountain Ops and Elk 101 and brand new tires, off-road tires and wheels. It's got custom bumpers front and back, a custom LED light kit, headlights, taillights, running lights. Uh, the interior is going to be completely gone through and, and customized. And we're giving that away. So... Uh, anybody can enter that promotion. You just go to elk101.com forward slash truck and leave your name and email address in the form and, and you get entered in that promotion. But if you do sign up for the online course during the promotion, you're going to get 20 extra entries in the promotion. Plus, you, uh, you're going to get $20 off when you sign up and use the code East Meets West. So um, a lot of cool things. We're going to send everybody who signs up during the promotion motion a sampler bottle from mountain ops which is a water bottle with five different packets of their ignite uh i know i'm forgetting something oh we're also in addition to the truck we're giving away two gear packages that are valued at over five thousand dollars each uh there'll be other bonus gear items that pop up uh every few days that those who are entered in the promotion will will uh, just randomly when those bonus packages it might be a, a new bow or an exo pack or different things. So anyway, huge, huge promotion, definitely the biggest promotion we've ever done. And uh, we're super excited to be able to give back to, to those who have supported Elk 101 and the University of Elk Hunting online course. Yeah, I, I'd have to say that giving away a truck is a pretty big promotion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know a little nerve wracking, hoping that it pays off and there's a little return on investment but at the same time it's uh it's super exciting just to to be a part of it 
Yeah, and, and uh, it's it's pretty bad when you know you're you're like oh, and we have two packages of five thousand dollars worth of gear. When you know, normally that's a you know that's a main package deal right there for the promotion. It's kind of a little bit well, overshadowed by the truck. <laughs> I know. Oh yeah, and a couple of gear packages with rifles and bows and backpacks and coolers and stuff like that. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, last year we did uh, we gave away thirty thousand dollars in gear last year. Uh, basically for 30 days during the month of June. And so we had to come up with a way to outdo that. And so I think, uh, you know, I don't even know what the value of the truck is probably, I don't know, 25 or $30,000 just in the truck. And then, uh, another 12 to $15,000 in total gear and that. So, uh, well, uh, It'll be fun. I think uh, there'll be a little bit of a buzz and part of it will be originating with us and uh, hopefully it resonates with with those who uh, participate in the promotion. That's mind-blowing. But yeah, I'll definitely, uh, definitely be, you know, uh, promoting that for you as well as and, and because, you know, one, the people are getting all the knowledge out of this that they can of the course and having the chance at that. That's a that's a pretty cheap uh, raffle ticket for a you know a getting being able to get prizes like that and then being able to have all the knowledge for a full year of the online course from start to finish. I mean that's that's pretty awesome. So I'm I'm excited to to see how that pans out for you. Yeah, absolutely. But all right, Corey. Well, I took up uh, enough of your time here. So again, thanks for coming on and. Uh, Hopefully we talk again on the podcast before before hunting season. And if not, I'm sure you and I will be, you know, in, in touch in, in the meantime. But good luck with your planning process here. No, you too. And for everyone listening, good luck with that. And uh, I, I would uh, be ecstatic and honored to uh, meet back up here on the podcast before hunting season and talk about dialed in plans and uh, – I know the excitement level will be much higher as we get closer. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, Corey, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Bo. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.